Welcome to the Cashflow Chronicles. I'm your host, Johnny Catani, and the founder of Catani Capital Group. For the last two years, I've been studying alternative assets and now help solve the problem of creating passive cash flow for creators, influencers, and busy professionals by bringing you five episodes a week of easy to understand education in the world of passive investing. What's up, guys? And welcome to another episode of the Invest Relations Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Catani, and I am joined today by Whitney Elkins Hutton. Whitney is the Director of Investor Education at PassiveInvesting.com and a partner in 700 million plus in real estate, including over 6,300 residential units. Those are broken up between multifamily mobile home parks, single family rentals, and assisted living, and more than 1,400 units in self storage u- units across eight, eight states. An experience flipping of over three million dollars in residential real estate. Whitney, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Grateful to have you. Uh, I was joking offline when you first came on. I was like, I know this name. I know this name. And <laughs> I'm on the passiveinvesting.com list. I've had Dan on the show. He was incredible. And uh, sure enough, I searched your name, and there's all your uh, incredible webinars that you've done. I have watched a lot of them. So we're grateful to have you to uh, drop your wisdom on us today. So before we get into that, though, uh, take us back. Give us kind of the Reader's Digest version of, uh, you know, where you started and and what led you to uh, where you're at now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I'll start where I'm at. I'm the director of investor education here at PassiveInvesting.com. You know, I work with investors on a daily basis to help them, you know, understand their goals, their risk tolerance, just to educate them to go into passive investing um, with confidence into their first or next deal with confidence. Now, that's not what I went to school for. That's not where I started out. Um, I actually entered into real estate back in 2002, um, completely by accident. I bought a house with a significant other and about a month after closing, the relationship fell apart. And I was like, Oh no, I've got all of the house, all the bills, everything under my name. I didn't know what to do. I mean, this is the wild, wild west of lending. I was 103% financed. I owed my family money because they gave me the down payment. I mean, it was just, yeah. (laughs) Um, And I was like, okay, I'm scrappy. I have to make this work. I I, I don't let people down. We don't, that's a value in our family. We don't let people down. Um, Anyways, so, um, you know, the house needed rehab and I went and got the Home Depot one, two, three book because YouTube didn't exist, guys. All this wonderful information that's available today. And I uh, learned how to do many things on the house that I've loved doing, um, you know, painting, construction, oddly enough, hanging cabinets, a lot of things I shouldn't be touching at all, like drywall and electrical and plumbing, definitely not plumbing. Um, <laughs> and I made an, an amazing profit um, more at that house in 11 months than I did my day job for a full year traveling 80 hours a week. So I was kind of bitten by the real estate bug. Um, and, you know, I had stopped the house full of roommates. So I it was, I was doing the, I guess what they call now a live and flip house hack. Um, I was like, how many more of these projects could I do? What I didn't, I, I didn't know what I didn't know because fast forward a few years later, I wasn't financially free. I didn't have my time back. I am, um, if nothing else, I had another job working on a house after hours and on the weekend. And I was like, I don't, I can't unlock these golden handcuffs. So um, then somebody mentioned to me, why don't you hold on to the houses? I'm like, and, and just rent them out and collect the check. I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> so we transitioned into buying whole type real estate. 
Um, fast forward a few years later, we had a strong portfolio of single family rentals, but then I had another problem is um, I was asset managing all of them. And, you know, you hit a level of achievement and each time you hit that level of achievement, you've got to, you know, reassess your goals or find a person or a process to replace, you know, to help you bust through that ceiling. And so um, that, you know, I shouldn't say last ceiling, but at that particular time, I had a little, little baby at home. I was taking care of family members and I'm like, I don't have time to search for 80 single family properties to reach our financial independent goals. I, I don't want 80 single family properties. And that's when we transitioned to multifamily real estate, both actively and passively. And, you know, over the years, I love, I love working in real estate. I love being active in real estate. And at the same time, you know, what I help investors realize is if you can replace, take all, get all the benefits of real estate, through passive investing, investing, replace your income. Now you're truly financially free. You don't have to be the weekend landlord or, you know, go buy a building and figure out how to rent it yourself. Um, so yeah, that's where we're at today um, is having a hundred, one of the, you know, we have many of the freedoms in life. There's five freedoms, um, financial freedom, time, freedom, freedom of choice, freedom of location and freedom of impact. And we're working on, you know, achieving all of those today. Gosh, I love that so much. And what a great story, you know, kind of the original house hacking before it was house hacking before it was cool. And you kind of touched it all before it got there. You even, uh, you know, got to have the 103 levered and uh, obviously that's gone away, um, you know. Uh, Terrifying. Yes, very. And thank heavens it was two, uh, 2002, not 2007, because um <laughs> That, that could have gone bad. So it sounds like you made it through 08, though. So uh, with that portfolio yeah. that you had. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. Good. You know, 08, we were, you know, like I said, we were living flipping. Um, so by that time, my husband and I, you know, um, I'd gotten married and I had gotten convinced my husband that real estate's the best place to be. Um, my first deal went amazing. My second deal, which I rarely tell a story, um, did not went completely sideways. Um, I, I broke even on the deal. I made, a, uh, I definitely probably made out ahead on taxes. Um, but you know, the deal ended with a bus falling in the roof of the house. And like, I thought it was going to get sued. And so sorry, my husband's bus? entering the picture. Yeah, it was, the house was, you know, um, built into the side of a mountain. And so my neighbor had a guy living in a bus on our property and he had it parked on top of the retaining wall behind the house. And so when I went under contract, the inspection showed the retaining wall. They said it was failing. I was like, it's not failing. Just get the guy to move his bus. <laughs> like it's fine. Oh. Um, and so the buyer just, I, you know, it was a young couple. They were engaged, and I think the 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 um, you know, fiance was trying to prove to his his um, soon to be wife's father that you know, hey, I can handle this, and it just went out of control. Um, but they rebuilt the wall. They moved the bus, rebuilt the wall. They put the bus back in the same position. Wall fails, like. <laughs> And the bus topples in the roof of the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is you know, probably the most like unique everything. story I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, my realtor calls me and there's a, a ton of commotion in the background. You know, this is probably three or four days past closing. Fortunately, my boyfriend, now husband at the time, he was out of town. And I was like, why are you calling me? He was like, well, I just wanted to let you know how the story ends. <laughs> oh my I was like, am gosh. I going to get sued? 
he was like no you're fine like it's their problem and i'm like okay oh my <laughs> gosh that's insane wow that's a wild story well so you have truly experienced it all and uh, now here you are you're the director of education <laughs> which we know in this space is the most important right uh when you're thinking about becoming a passive investor, you know, when you talk to someone, the first thing they should do, and, you know, I, I assume you'll agree with me here is, you know, make sure you're educated. Okay, what do you want to do your goals? So let's kind of get into it. I know you have a, a process as, as a passive investor yourself. So kind of talk about, you know, speaking to the the new passive investor who wants to get in it for the first time, you know, maybe has a little knowledge, understands the power of it and, and, you know, wants to explore it and, and kind of setting up that, that process. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, um, I think there, there's oftentimes when I hop on a phone with an investor, you know, especially a new investor, you know, they fall one in one of three camps. One, they're just a tired landlord um, they understand real estate. They understand real estate investing. Um, they're ready to give up control of their portfolio to get their time and intention back, which is probably one of the most important freedoms I feel, um, because it's gone. You you can never recoup your time or your attention. So they're ready to fire their property manager. Lowe's and Home Depot. They're done, and they're like, "Please help me transition this equity into passive investing." They get it. Um, another camp is, um, you know, and I'll kind of wrap up the, the next two camps together is, uh, one is a really savvy investor, right? They've been in the stock market and they, they, they've invested before they understand, you know, risk returns, but they don't understand real estate at all. So they, they don't understand that you actually get paid five ways at once in real estate, they're just looking at, you know, what is it going to be my monthly cash flow and what is my appreciation at the end? And oftentimes they're just asking about the return at the end when they sell, because they've been, you know, when you're in the stock market, paper assets, that that's really all you can bank on. You have to actually sell the asset in order to get a return. And then you have the newer investor, which is they're, they're not quite, they're, they're, they've been trained as they've grown up to look at returns. They know they should invest. They know they should grow their portfolio. But what those last two, both of those last two investors really um, probably come in challenged with is not fully understanding, um, do they believe in real estate as an asset class? That's the first question. Do they actually know that you can get paid five ways at once? It's not, it's very different than investing in the stock market. Um, it's not as volatile as the stock market. And when you invest passively, you are handing over control, which you do when you invest in the stock market. You just seem, you, you have a perception of control because you, you, you know, Elon Musk sends out a tweet. I always pick on Elon, sorry, if he ever listens to this. <laughs> but, you know, he sends out a tweet and Tesla's stock bounces all over the place for the day. But, you know, you, you could liquidate and you could get out of that stock, Right. So you have some sort of perception of control, but you really don't, you're not picking, you know, the funds you go into oftentimes you're not even, you know, picking what stocks go into those funds. Um, there's a lot of things out of your control. Uh, and so they don't first having a conversation. Do you understand you can get paid by cash flow, appreciation, um, tax benefits that you can get an inflation hedge and that you can actually utilize leverage in order to build your wealth. Those are not all those things can you get in the stock market. And I challenge you, you might only get one 
of those levers in the stock market. And then two, I'm having a conversation around like, what do you actually need moving forward? What are your goals? What do you need your portfolio to produce? Do you need it to produce cash flow? Do you need it? Are you in a stage in your life where you need to continue to accumulate wealth? And do you have, maybe you sold off some real estate or you sold a business and you need to offset capital gains. You need the tax benefits of real estate. Are you trying to build a multi-generational wealth portfolio for your heirs? You know, let's talk about how to structure something like that. And so getting people to really think through their goals and what they need, both now and later, is super important. And oftentimes with somebody who is an investor who has a very stable job, a high you know, performing or a high pay job, they're not worried about cash flow. That is not like on the radar. And they're like, just give me the highest rate of return. You know, we have a conversation of why looking for cash flow in an asset is super important, especially in today's environment, because it gives, it's a sign of stabilization. So I kind of help them pick through those different like wealth pillars and what they what it means to their portfolio and their goals. And then we talk about risk tolerance um, because you know that, that those last two groups of investors, especially that 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 second group that I discussed about, they're all about the return. They're chasing yield. And they often don't understand that yield generally comes with increased risk. And so we're talking about, um, they're like, I, I heard you can get a, you know, 10, you know, 10% preferred return, a 30% IRR in multifamily real estate. And I want absolutely no risk at all. Like I want to be in a core plus <laughs> asset, core asset or core plus asset, you know, and if you don't know what a core, core plus asset is, that means it's newly built, no deferred maintenance, no CapEx. Um, you're just kind of like scratching your head and you're like, I don't know where you read that. And yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, so, you know, trying to help them understand the balance of risk reward. And then a lot of these returns are actually buried in those other wealth pillars, the ability to use leverage, the ability to, to inflation hedge the asset, the ability to um, generate cash flow. Um, and, and so those are really kind of the first three stops along this conversation. Do you believe in real estate? What do you, what do you need from your portfolio both today and later? Um, and I, I always, you know, I will get off the phone with a, an investor who maybe is earning 250, $300,000 a year in their tech job. They're like, I don't need cash flow. And I'm like, what happens if there's another tech bubble? Wouldn't it be nice if you had some cash flow coming in from your portfolio today? If not, if you don't need it, just put it in the bank account, accumulate it, and then like put it in the next asset, right? Mm -hmm. Just snowball it going forward. But if you decide two years from now, you want to take a sabbatical, flip the switch and consume your cash flow. Um, and then like the third piece is, you know, understanding risk. And once you kind of have those pillars in place, you know, those questions answered, now is the great time to go start talking to operators, you know, just sussing out, who are the operators that are going to help you achieve these goals? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of really, really great points there. I love that because I think we've all talked to one or obviously many of those different type of investors, right? And, and the yield chasers, I love that 30% IRR and 10% preferred return in an A class. You're like, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, tell me the operator who's doing that because I want to invest in their deal too. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. no, it is Please. Good, right? <laughs> so you don't, you, you can't actually say that of course. Right. But just, but that goes back to the education piece, right. Helping them understand that yes, those deals are there, but they actually look more like this, right. You're probably looking at like, you know, a development deal or like, you know, a heavy, heavy value add, you know, and just kind of helping them understand where those numbers come from. Um, where where do you find people are typically getting their education from? Do you find that they're going to your website and looking at your guys' education and then calling you? Are they reading books and listening to podcasts and kind of just spouting off information? Where, where are you typically, do you see them finding information before they, you know, you get on the phone with them? You know, that's a great question. I think it, you know, it's pretty much all over the board. And you know, I love the fact today that, you know, anybody can jump on YouTube and Google passive real estate investing and get, you know, uh, some education. Now I can't say all of it is quality education. There are a few operators out there that are doing high quality education and I love it. Um, I wish that that was there when I was like first starting off, off of passive investing. It wasn't, um, so, you know, YouTube can be a good source. Podcasts are an amazing source. I mean, that's, you know, how I turned my cell phone into a mobile university for the first few years that I got into real estate. Um, you know, there's online forums as well. Uh, some are just general real estate forums like Bigger Pockets. Then there's ones that are more specific, you know, investor groups like CrowdDD or Left Field Investors or For Investors by Investors, like on the, if you're on the West Coast. Um, those groups tend to bring in, um, you know, high quality speakers and potentially people to invest with. You know, for me in the mountain area, our, our group is Boulder Investment investment group. Sorry, stumbled there. Um, but, you know, they bring in high quality education and high quality operators to speak to investors. You know, I also encourage investors, especially if you're getting serious, you know, immerse yourself in a high quality conference. Um, you know, we have our multifamily investor nation conference. It's held in June in Charlotte. And I mean, that is an amazing place to, you know, get high quality education and also meet a ton of operators face to face. I know I love nothing more than like shaking hands with the operators that I invest in with and asking a lot of questions face to face. Now, Google is an amazing source. And, you know, it, it's hard to differentiate just like with anything else. Like when you do a Google search, I have a 10 year old daughter. So we're going, we're having this conversation all the time when she does research, we're like, is that a reputable site or is it just really well marketed to you? Does it have like a bunch of cool colors and appeals to kids? And um, that's same thing happens in the space as well. So you want to make sure that, um, you know, you're, you're, you're encounter, you know, finding operators. My favorite place is to go to these high, um, high end type conferences, the ones that are very in depth, because, you know, it takes an element of pay to play both on the operator's part, as well as the investor's part. And, you know, if an operator, you know, can, you know, invest in themselves, you know, you know, five, 10, 15, $30,000 to be at the conference, you know, that gives you kind of like a little bit of a clue as to like the stability of the business. But, you know, there's also, you know, operators are in every different stage of their, their growth. And so, you know, conferences would be number one, um, these very targeted uh, investor groups would be number two for me. 
Um, and then, you know, uh, you know, you can jump on online forums, you know, there's several really great ones out there. And then just, just a plain old Google search would probably be my last choice to find a good operator. Yeah. I love that, that list. And, and there are, right. You guys have yours. You've got, um, you know, best ever, um, which, so I'm in Salt Lake city. It's right here in my backyard, uh, next year, which will be amazing. I'm excited for that. Um, but it is true, right. That's really where you can separate, you know, the real and, and, and so many people want to, and like, I'm so glad that in-person conferences are back because so many people before they want to invest, they want to shake your hand and as they should, right. You know, a lot of people like to understand the, the, you know, I guess the vibe that you give when you're in person, right? Like, can you back up what you're like on the phone when, when you're in person and are you personable? And, you know, and I totally get that, right. You you know, some people are writing a check for their savings, you know, to give you potentially. So, it's you know, energy, right. They, they, they're handing over their hard earned the energy that they've converted in the value they've put out in the world that they've converted into money. Um, and they're handing it over to you as an operator uh, to, to, to help them build their wealth. Right. Um, you know, one of our founding partners, Dan Hanford, uh, he has a, you know, triangle that he likes, um, talking about it's the no love and trust triangle or no like and trust. I always change like to love, but you know, um, step it up a little bit, but, um, you know, that, that, that is really important because, you know, the first place, you know, we talked about education, that's getting to know an operator, right? There's, it's a transactional you know, exchange, you know, then you get it on the, um, you know, phone with them or meet them in person. Do you actually like them? Right. Yeah. And I always, I come from public health and, you know, nutrition background. I'm always you know, educating people, you know, Hey, the gut is, you know, was our first brain, you know, um, uh, and still is, I mean, same neurochemicals that fire in the brain inspire in the gut. And like, what is your gut instinct about this person? Um, you know, are they, are they personal? Are they trustworthy? Are they transparent? Do they know what they talk they're talking about? And then, you know, it takes time to build this relationship. Uh, and then, you know, getting into the trust factor, you know, uh, and sometimes that trust factor, you know, we talked about it before the show. Somebody might be like, really like nervous to write that first 25 K check or 50 K check. But over time it becomes easier, especially with an operator, if they're performing and they have a good track record, um, you know, if they're delivering on what they said they were going to deliver bumps happen, things happen in real estate. I, I don't know. I, I don't know of anybody who didn't have like a challenging time either during COVID the hurricanes in 2020 or, you know, in early 2021, whenever, um, you know, everything went down in Texas with the power grid. I mean, every operator I know got snagged by one of those three events. Um, and so, you know, you want to understand what an operator, how they're going to meet a challenge and, you know, steer the business plan through to make the asset profitable for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. That's such great insight. And, and kind of on that. So, you know, we, we talked about your three pillars next, obviously vetting your operators, talked about know, like, and trust, you know, obviously meeting them in person, getting a good feel for them, all important, but there's obviously more to it before you really decide that, yes, I want to go ahead and invest with this person. So kind of talk more about, you know, your process and, and how you steer investors for, for vetting an operator. Yeah. So, um, if, if I may, I have a free ebook, if you go to passiveinvestingwithwhitney.com, 
um, quick, you fill out a quick little form so I can get to know you a little bit and you can download some free goodies, um, you know, a free ebook, a free checklist. So all, you don't have to remember everything that we're talking about here in the podcast. It's all like listed out, but you know, if we're going through kind of a vetting protocol for an operator, you know, what's their background in business? What's their background in real estate? Um, you know, especially if they're new or a newer operator, you know, do they have translatable skills from running a previous business? And do they have somebody on their team that understands real estate? Right. Um, I, I like operators, you know, that operations teams, you know, where there's more than one partner on the team, it just, you know, coming from a business background, you want, you know, succession planning, right? Like if something happens to one, there's other managing partners that can, you know, step into the mix and help steer the company. Uh, what is their track record? You know, how many deals have they done? How many have they taken to refinance or a supplemental loan stage? How many have they exited? What is their typical business plan on the asset? right? What you're looking for as an investor is an alignment, right? You've already written down your goals. You already have thought about your risk tolerance ahead of time. You're not letting somebody else inform you what your risk tolerance should be, right? And you're looking for alignment between what you, you need from your portfolio and what they can give. And it's a partnership. And then that's another kind of wall I help break down for people um, you know, if you're used to investing in the stock market, it's transaction based, right? I write a check, I can always get it back. We're not partners at all in the stock market, but in a passive asset, we are, you know, I'm the general partner or my team is, and then we have, you know, you as the investor are the limited partner and, you know, we each have our roles and responsibilities in that. And so, but we're structuring the deal to where we all make money together, we all take on the risks with that deal together. And so you also want to understand, and I, I go into that to, to bring up two things when you're having this conversation with an operator is you want to understand the structure of their deals. Are you guys aligned in that partnership? Also, what does the communication look like? You know, are they communicating with you on a monthly basis? What are they communicating to you? Are they handing over financials? If so, how often? What are they disclosing? And so I, you know, especially like on multifamily, I love getting quarterly rent rules and, you know, the, the profit and the actual profit and loss statement from the property manager, as if I am the business owner, because I am, I am one of the owners. And so those are just, you know, kind of high level questions to ask. Um, you might, uh, other investors might also want to see the, the general partnership invest in their deals. Um, sometimes yeah, that creates alignment. And if, and if an operator is just starting out, they might not have the ability to invest in all every single one of their early deals, but you want to see some sort of skin in the game. Now, here's this. If somebody's a really shady operator, guess what? They're going to get their money out, but you want to, I always look for operators that are putting in more than their acquisition fee on any particular deal. That way like you, that. you know, it's not just them getting paid from the deal and that they're just recycling that money back in, but they're actually putting in a lot of their own personal liquid capital. That's a nice little nuanced detail there for sure. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah. And, and that's another thing too, you know, kind of getting into the weeds there is, you know, making sure you can get access to those um, accounting statements, like you said, like the PNL and, and the quarterly statements, right? Because, um, uh, 
I'm sure there are probably operators out there where in the PPM it said, you know, that you couldn't get access. So, you know, that's another thing to ask as well as, Hey, can I look at, you know, look at the books basically more or less, you know, and, and understand what's going on. And of course, track record is, is probably the biggest, but I do like that you're, um, you know, most people talk about only investing with people who have this big, massive track record, but there are operators starting out that are good, that will be good. So I like your, like, what business skills do they have? Does it translate? You know, because this is a business, right? And so being able to, you know, the acquisition is really just step one, you know, and of course everyone celebrates the acquisition and it is, should be celebrated, but that's when the real business starts. And especially in the economy we're heading into, this is really going to tell the, you know, the people who just rode the market and the people who have a legitimate, you know, can actually, you know, manage an asset. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, closing on deal is one thing, you know, being in the weeds with it, managing it day to day is an entirely different thing. And then if you, you know, is part of the business plan, uh, to rehab asset to increase rents? Is it part of the business plan to, you know, create, you know, different vendor relationships to decrease, ex- decrease the expenses? Or is it to, you know, institute other um, channels of income on the, on the property to add additional streams of income, you know, adding storage lockers or package lockers or um, bringing in fiber internet, you know, those are all different skill sets and that somebody, you know, needs to bring to the business plan. And there's a timing, right? I've seen some really aggressive business plans where somebody says, we're going to have, you know, it's a hundred, 200 unit building. We're going to have it rehabbed in a year and we're going to have all these things done. And I'm like, I always think of the quote from Tony Robbins, like people under overestimate what they can get done in a month and underestimate what they can get done in five years. Right. So it's just like, you know, how ambitious and if the numbers rely on delivering on all of those things in the first year, is that realistic? You know, you want to be able to, I mean, now we're getting kind of the weeds on like, you know, assessing a particular deal, but you can get a sense from the operator you know, their success on, you know, previous deals or in their previous businesses on, you know, are they able to, you know, identify those goals and set them realistically so they can achieve them? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, like, do they have a rinse and repeat, right? Is this the same thing they've been doing, you know, or is this a new business plan, right? Maybe same asset class or, you know, like, but a new type of business plan, right? Maybe typically they go for A and B and now they're getting into C-class value add. And it's like, okay, well, that's riskier, you know? Like, what do you guys, what infrastructure do you have in place? Another one that I like is, you know, does your team have the bandwidth? Like how spread thin are you? Is your asset manager managing too many assets and doesn't have a, a full team, you know, to help, right? Like those little things where it's like, you know, more, you know, more, more, more. I've, we definitely saw this in the last few years, you know, acquisition, 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 but it's like, okay, well, do you have, you know, the infrastructure to manage all of these assets? Oh, absolutely. You, you know, and you, you don't just, you know, an operator just doesn't open up a 30% like, you know, private equity firm. Um, I haven't seen that, but you know, they, they have to grow over time and are they scaling appropriately? And, you know, that that's where those business skills really come to light. 
Um, and, the, and also, you know, if it's somebody who's just starting out and they're like, you know, maybe they have a strong background in real estate, they start getting into, you know, um, capital raising or syndication, maybe they don't have those business skills, but I bet you, if they're super savvy, they're going to go get a mentor or a coach that's going to, or some sort of strategic partner that's going to help them identify those gaps and fill those gaps really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, this has been incredible insight. I appreciate it very much. I know we can keep going for forever on this topic. Um, and I appreciate it very much. But as we wind down here, we will jump to the final five. And so speaking of mentors, uh, first question, best advice you've gotten from a mentor? Oh my gosh. Uh, this would have been my financial mentor that I hired a long time ago. <laughs> he was amazing, but you know, he got, um, he helped me under understand how to access my personal retirement funds. Cause I was just shoving everything in there as much as I could. And, uh, really just unlock those funds in order to invest in myself and in my own personal assets. Um, and not, you know, not stay entire, like in this like nebulous partnership with the government. I love that. Wow. That's huge. Essentially I broke up with the IRS. <laughs> oh no, you not poor entirely. thing. I'm in real estate, so not entirely. <laughs> yeah. Well, we still have active income, unfortunately, but, um, well, at least I do. I'm sure you do as well. So, you know, there are some things you can't quite, they get you somehow. I swear they always, try to win somehow, but, um, I do love that. That's awesome. Uh, what is about I, your career? I learned the rules. I learned the rules. That was the most nice. important part. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's how you, that's how you play the game, right? Know the rules. Mm -hmm. Uh, what is it about your career that makes you feel like you're fulfilling your why? So I, I did not know this about myself. You know, I came from public health. Um, I worked in sexually transmitted diseases and HIV AIDS and then in bioterrorism. And I, I, there is always such a strong component um, of, of public education with my job. And I always liked it, but I never considered myself a teacher. I was like, this is part of the job. You know, I'm a researcher. This is what I have to do. Um, I really love it. I love, you know, just, you know, giving people great, solid um, information that they can count on that they can making it simple and actionable so they can change their, not only their life, but the lives of people around them. It's awesome. I love that. Uh, favorite non-real estate or investment related book. Oh, the one thing I know I taught that oh, all nice. the time and I'm sure other people have said that, but the one thing by Gary Keller, um, that book, you know, you read all these books about personal development and how to prioritization, but you know, I struggled to get a simple framework out of that, out of any of those books. And when I read the one thing, I was like, huh, it's really that simple. <laughs> it is. Um, and that book has been so impactful, not only for my life, but my family's, you know, my family's life and our marriage actually. So. I love it. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Ooh, um, my daughter loves asking these questions. Um, for <laughs> me, I would, I, you know, if I can fudge a little, I would love if, you know, she always asked me like, what superhero would I be? And I would be like some sort of combination of Captain Marvel and like Dr. Strange, you know, Ooh, there's nice. just something about like manipulating time and just, you know, being able to, to conquer the world would just be amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I love it. That's great. That's great. That's what this, uh, that question is for, right? It's the fun part of it. 
Um, cool. Last one. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you and learn more? Yes. You can find me at passiveinvestingwithwhitney.com. It's the landing page on the passive investing website. That's the only place you can get all these free tools that I spoke about. And you can also get access to my calendar and hop on the phone with me and we can talk real estate. Awesome. I love it. We'll link it in the show notes. Make it super easy. Whitney, thank you so, so much for all of your insight and your time. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been amazing. Absolutely. Thank you again for tuning in. Who do you know that wants more cash flow? Share this episode with them so you can grow your cash flow together. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you're subscribed on your platform of choice so you never miss a new episode. Go to katanicapitalgroup.com to learn more.